confession. Now we think of this because every Sunday we confess our sins to the Lord. And in Ezra 10.1, that's what they did. They confessed to the Lord. That's the way we understand it. This word here for make a confession is a little different. It actually means to thank the Lord. To offer words of praise and reverence and submission. This is an act of worship. See, after the Lord had brought them back to Jerusalem and cleansed them and reminded them of the promises, Ezra tells them, lift your hands and worship the Lord. Confess that he is good and merciful and gracious and kind and loving and patient. All those things that Israel was not. This word here for make confession tells them to sing. Tells them to shout songs of thanksgiving and praise. Do you remember back in the early days when we were in Ezra, we talked about the Lord bringing them back and that the streets of Jerusalem would ring with their singing. That it would be like a wedding party. Remember dancing and singing in the streets? This is what's going on here. This is what Ezra is encouraging in the people. He's telling them to shout and to sing in jubilation and thanksgiving. We see this in Isaiah and all over the Psalms. And even in the book of Hebrews, we see the same kind of concept. By him, therefore, let us, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. In Nehemiah, this word is used. And Nehemiah has put together, in a similar circumstance, he has put together the people to sing as a choir together these songs of praise and thanksgiving. Let us make confession. Let us sing to the Lord, for he is good. Step number one, make confession. Praise the Lord. Worship him in Jerusalem, right? In his house, on his holy mountain, exalted above all the hills. Point one, make confession unto the Lord. Praise his name as people. What's the second one? To do his pleasure. Do you know why Ezra tells them to do his pleasure? Because they haven't been. It's that simple. This is that turning in repentance from your sin towards the Lord. This is pleasing to the Lord when he sees this movement. This is trying to do God's will, to do his pleasure, to have the Lord delight in what you are doing. This is what your heart wants to do. That's what this word is talking about. What does your heart want to do? What does it drive you to? What does it compel you to? Is it your old fleshly heart? Warring against the Spirit? Or is this the new heart that the Lord has given you that desires Him? This is a good check this morning. What is our heart drawn to? 
Is our heart drawn to God's word? Is it drawn to pleasing him? Is it drawn to worshiping him? Raising our hands? Singing loudly? Off key maybe? Remember, this is a people that had shown good signs of loving the Lord and being devoted to the Lord and serving the Lord several times in the past. It says that they trembled at God's word. That they trembled at God's word. They feared him. They wanted to obey him. But they were deceived by their hearts. Right? They had responded to the Lord in faith and come out of Babylon and made the long walk to Jerusalem. But in this, they displeased the Lord. What we see here is that the repentance and the faith and the desire to obey the Lord if it doesn't result in breaking away from your sin, if it doesn't result in breaking off friendship with the world, it's not true repentance. The language is very, very strong all over the New Testament on this, right? James 4 says this, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. And in 1 John chapter 2, it says this, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world will pass away. And the lust of the world will pass away. But he that does the will of God, he who desires to do his pleasure, he that does the will of God abides forever. And as this theme of husband and wife runs through the entire scriptures, this idea does as well. The bride has failed time and time again to obey the Lord in separating from the things that he has told us to separate from. From the very beginning, Adam and Eve blew it. They were the bride. And as the serpent came to trick them, their lust got the better of them. And they sinned. They failed. From the very beginning of scriptures. And then we are told that there will always be this war going on. Always, always, always until Jesus returns and takes us to heaven, and the new heavens and the new earth. There will be war between the woman and her seed and the serpent and his seed. 
as long as we are breathing oxygen here, this side of the second coming, this is our battle. Write down Romans 8, 5 through 11. Read it sometime this afternoon. You're going to see what this warfare looks like. So that's point number two, that we are to do his will. We are to seek his pleasure. Confess to the Lord, praise his name, and devote yourself to obeying him, to accomplishing his will. Seek his good pleasure. And then the third thing, they're told to separate themselves from the people of the land and from the strange wives. To separate themselves, to divide, to detach, to sever. Can you imagine what this must have been like? Whether they were legitimate marriages or not, you're talking about families that were about to be pulled apart. There had to be financial repercussions to this decision. There had to be um, damage to reputation. There was surely weeping and gnashing of teeth as little children who didn't understand or older children who were grumbling that this was happening or wives saying, what's going to happen to me? And yet, the desire was to obey the Lord first and foremost. But I think maybe the toughest part, maybe the hardest part of all for these children of Israel. And I think what is the hardest part for us when we find ourselves in a situation like this is because we are all inherently prideful is at a moment like this, we have to admit that we were wrong. In all of our brilliance, in all of our intellect, in all of our experience, in all of our wisdom, we blew it. When we were talking about those different jurisdictions, I warned you that the one that is most deceptive, the one that is most damaging, is you. Because you can convince yourself of nearly anything. You don't think that there were men in this group who had taken foreign wives who had argued that this was a good thing. They had rationalized it. They had searched the scriptures. They had turned some of them upside down on their head and they had said, no, this is okay. This is good. We're good to go here. There's no problem. I can justify this. But now they had to face the Lord. They had to face Ezra. They had to face each other. They had to face the weeping wives. They had to face the weeping children. And they had to confess and they had to admit that they were wrong. That they had sinned against the Lord. That they had done it willingly. They had followed the deception of their own heart. Their lust had consumed them. 
In this group of people, there had to be those who had struggled to maintain the separation. I believe some of them succeeded, and I believe some of them who struggled failed. We even see in Ezra chapter 6 that it says they had separated themselves from the people of the land. That was one of the highlights. At that point, they kept the Feast of Unleavened Bread, remember? Again, this struggle with separation is a major call of scriptures. I mean, we go all the way back to Genesis, right? And in the very act of creation, God is separating one thing from another, right? Light from dark, land from sea. He's separating out these different elements. And when he's doing that, he calls it good. And then when he is establishing his people and he is establishing the kingdom and he is establishing how they are to worship him, he says that he is going to put a difference between the holy and the unholy, between the unclean and the clean, between the you are my people and you are not my people. And you all know these lists. There are long lists of what is clean and what is unclean and what they had to do to keep these separations. And you may be saying to yourself now, Evans, yeah, that's true, but that was all Old Testament stuff. None of that matters anymore. to a point that's true. But in 2 Corinthians, we read this. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what concord or what covenant has Christ with Satan? What part has he that believes with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? God is still calling us. He is still pleading with us. To come out from among them. To be separate. To touch not the unclean thing. And I will be a father unto you. And you shall be my sons and my daughters. Says the Lord God Almighty. Separating yourselves from the world from the unclean, from the idols, from the satanic. It's still an act of command. It is still what it looks like to live as the faithful bride. Our example here today is an excellent example. The children of Israel, the returned captives, they heard the word of the Lord. 
They heard it as the very word of God. They received it by faith. They received the gift of repentance from the Lord. They were washed clean. They were restored. They were renewed. And then Ezra told them to make confession, to worship the Lord, to do his pleasure, and to separate yourselves from the people of the land and the strange wives. And how did they respond? How did they respond? Look at verse 12 and it says, All the congregation, everybody as a community, all in, all at once, said with a loud voice, Ezra, as thou hast said, so must we do. We have no option here. It's not time to negotiate. It is time to fall on our face, worship the Lord, and be thankful that he is good to his people. Amen? You see, for the children of Israel, and for you and I, it's not just being called out and separated. It's more than baptism. It's more than being God's people. It's not just being in Jerusalem. It's not just being in God's city of peace. It's not worshiping in his temple, the house where he dwells. It's not our sacrifices. It's not our success. about a broken and contrite heart. It's about obeying God's word. David sang of this, right? We forget, right? We forget that the Psalms were sung. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. O Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praises. He's singing and asking the Lord to help him to sing his praises. I love this. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou, for thou desires not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. God will not despise that. But he will respond. He will do good. He will do good in his good pleasure unto Zion. And he will build those fiery walls around Jerusalem. Remember the fiery walls? A broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart. Broken spirit. 
broken over your sin. A broken and a contrite heart. A broken and a crushed heart over your sin. This is what repentance looks like. Repentance looks like this. Broken before the Lord, seeking his mercy. And him responding in goodness and promises and cleansing and washing and restoration. The bride gets it right here, amen? So we have to consider what this looks like in our own day. We have to consider that, you know, that the scripture tells us that rebellion, not obeying the Lord, rebelling against the Lord is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. If we are honest with one another, our pride leads us to rebellion. Our pride leads us to stubbornness. We talk of reformation. Brothers and sisters, the cost of reformation is high cost of reformation will cost you everything. If you are going to put to death through the power of the Spirit and God's Word your rebellion and your stubbornness, if you are going to walk away from the sin of witchcraft and from iniquity and from idolatry, it's going to cost you everything. As we see in this story that we have read, this high water mark, this repentance, this reformation cost the people friends, and family, and status, reputation, destruction of beloved idols, maybe even a lifestyle that is your identity. You see, separating ourselves from the world, coming out from among them, is what fruit of repentance looks like. People can fake worship. People can even fake obedience to some level. You can muscle that up for a time. But to truly hate the things of the world and to leave them behind. To be willing to forsake some of those things that you love. That the Lord comes to you in his word and he comes to you in his spirit and maybe he comes to you in a brother or sister and he says, this has to go. This has to go. Most of us are probably thinking of that thing right now that the Lord has been talking to us about and we've been wrestling with him 
Brothers and sisters, the cost of reformation is high. It will cost you things that you love. How is your heart this morning? Is it going after the things that it should be? Can you see in your own heart the darkness and the deception and the love, the lust, the desire for the things of the flesh, for the things that appeals to your eyes, possessions, status, reputation, income? This is hard work. There's no way, there's no way you and I, there's no way any of us survive this if we try to do it in our own strength. If you're trying to be good enough, you are on a crash course to failure. If you're muscling it out, you're going to get tired and the lust will consume you. But as the bride gets it right in this passage, the Spirit moved on them. God's word sunk deep into their hearts. And by faith that the Lord had given them. And by the gift of repentance, they were able to affirm that they would indeed worship the Lord, that they would indeed seek to do his good will, and that Lord willing, they would separate from the people of the land and their foreign wives. I want you to think about this. In Mark chapter 12, we read this, and the scribe said unto him, well, master, Thou hast said the truth. There is one God, and there is none other but him. And to love him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself, is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifice. Do you see this? This is what it means to worship and to obey and to separate yourself from the world. It means that you love God with everything you have. Remember I said it was going to be costly? To love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength costs everything. And to love your neighbor as yourself is just plain hard, amen? When we were baptized, we were engaged to be the Lord. You and I are the bride of Christ. You and I, from time to time, have been the unfaithful bride. And our beloved husband has restored us, forgiven us, and washed us clean once again. And as we desire to be the faithful bride of Christ, 
These three things that we talked about today must define us. These three things must define who we are and what we are. Amen? Worship the Lord, for he is good. Amen? Do his pleasure. Submit to the ministry of God's word and spirit. And separate yourself from the people of the land. Let's pray. Father, we again express our thanks and our gratitude to you for loving us, for calling us out of darkness into your marvelous light, for separating us out to be your people and for giving to us, preserving for us your word and for sending us the comforter, for sending your spirit to dwell in us and to lead us into all truth and to bring peace. Peace in our hearts as we war daily against the flesh. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. We pray that you will bless it. And Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come and worship and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would stand with me now as we sing, And Can It Be.